Hey guys, before we get into this episode, um, this week before we got to record with Jen, unfortunately, one of my favorite artists and somebody who I've looked up to in the industry for a long time, Nipsey Hussle, passed away. Um, Nipsey was, to me, the definition of excellence in hip-hop and music and Black culture. And I just want to take a brief moment out to appreciate what he's done for music and what he's done for, for L.A., for Crenshaw, for the country, for the world. And I uh, just want to say that my thoughts and my prayers are with his family. And I'll definitely second that. I think uh, using your influence to empower and educate and inspire is one of the most valuable things you could do. And I think as a musician, you have a lot of influence. And I feel like he really created a new narrative around what it means to be successful, what it is like to to be an entrepreneur. It's a marathon, create long-term wealth, pay attention to all those things. I think... Uh, Thank you, Nipsey. And I, I really do think it's a it's a model for other people to take note and keep in mind as as they continue to create influence in their own lives. Agreed. Rest in power, Nipsey Hustle. All right. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Music Business Podcast, guys. Today we have a close friend of mine, genius, Jen Pierce. She's a music licensor. She owns her own company right now called Low Profile. I actually work in the same office as her, but... She's come from humble beginnings at at Terror Bird doing licensing and in some major companies like Warner Brothers and, and Downtown Music. And for people that don't know music licensing, she lays it out pretty well and she does it in a pretty cool way. Bam, bam, bam. Music licensing, I think, is really exciting to hear about because I think it's just a it's a really valuable like revenue stream for artists that I think is very like overlooked. Like it's kind of ancillary to the kind of touring, streaming, merch, all that stuff. But like you can get some serious money off some dope sync deals. So I think having Jen talk through how she approaches it, how she's learned the industry, what she looks for in a great deal, right. how a lot of these music supervisors at these big shows and companies that are looking for music, what they're thinking about, what they're after. So I think whether you're an artist, you're a manager, um, or just somebody that's trying to find like an interesting way to work into the, the music industry, I think it, this is just an awesome episode all around. Right. And music licensing is super interesting because whether people realize it or not, music is kind of what makes TV and film most of the time. You know, mm. I, I was watching a TV show the other day and it didn't have any music in the background. And I was like, what? Why does this feel so awkward? For sure. And she kind of sheds light on the process and how some of your favorite songs get into some of your favorite TV shows and how you find new songs in TV shows and you know, you and some of your favorite podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so on that note, uh, let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Music Business Podcast, everybody. Today we have a music licensor and a good friend of mine, Jim Pierce. And this is when this is when we need claps. This is when we need all that, all those fake claps to come in. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jen, I told people before today who was going to be on the show today. And a lot of people, more than I thought, asked me, what does a music licensor do? So in your own words, what would you say a music licensor does? What a good question. So 
What I do is I, I talk to music supervisors who are the people behind like the music and anything that you see on television or movies, ads, whatever. So I pitch music to them all day, every day, and I try to get them to use one of the songs that I represent in whatever project that they're working on. Cool, cool. Um, so is that, is that do y'all yeah, understand that? No, for sure. No, yeah. So, so for example, because we work together, right? When I send you a song, what what what's the process? Okay, so what we do is if we really like a label or an artist or whatever it is, we get a contract in place with them to represent them, to pitch them. So like you, you send me a song, I'm like, yeah. And then we start pitching <laughs> it to people and and either we're just responding to briefs that we get every day um, or we're being proactive and we're being like, this is what makes sense for this artist. Like, let's go and make sure that like this music supervisor has this. Cool. So what what is easier, responding to the briefs or pitching? Um, like what gets more syncs? I think anytime you're able to be really thoughtful, that always works. And I think that's just like a life thing. Anytime you can be really thoughtful and purposeful about whatever you're doing, that's when you see the most success. But obviously we we respond to briefs all of the time and and lots of things work out. So what is what is building what is building those relationships like for like a musical lots of beers. music? Lots of beers. It's just so many beers. You so just, what do you just like run into somebody who works for a TV show and you're like, yo, let's Let's chop let's it grab up. Grab a beer. Yeah, yeah. Let's grab Honestly, a beer. Honestly, <laughs> like the the starting the starting point is is just uh, is figuring out like oh okay whatever you actually like like for me I was like oh I like this TV show who is behind the music I want to mm. talk to that person and sometimes people respond right away and sometimes they don't and then you encounter them like later in life and you're like oh I've been pitching you music for years hello but you know it just it just takes time and it takes Again, thoughtfulness of like, who are the types of people that you really want to have good relationships with? And I think a lot of people like try to do this thing where they, um, I don't know, it, it feels really like, oh, I have to impress them and like take them out. And for me, I'm just like, I just want to get to know you as a person. I don't even care about like, if we hang out, I'm like, what do you do on the weekends? Like, what's your sign? Like, who are you? <laughs> and I think that that works better than just kissing someone's ass and then, you know, only talking about the music that you want them to play. So for me, I've just, I just like, I'm like always trying to make more friends in life. Right. And then you just end up working with them. And then I'm like, Oh, right. And you do something really cool too. That's great. So how does somebody like get interested in music licensing? Like how did, you know, how did you, there's a path. There's there's like a, a normal path that leads you to where I am now. Most people want to be a music supervisor. They don't even realize like what's on the other end of right. that. Everyone's just like, oh, I would love to be the person who picks the music for a TV show. And for me, um, I kind of just like stumbled into it a little bit randomly. But most people do that and then or want to do that. And then they kind of end up here. And for me, like music licensing is amazing because you get to see so many different types of projects all day, every day. And like I've, I've music supervised a movie, um, a couple of movies before. And it's like, you're only working on this one project for Mm. so long. And now I, I mean, I, it's not, I have so much respect for music supervisors, but for me, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to go crazy. Cause you're just, like really working on the same thing over and over and over again. Whereas now I'm like 
in a day, I'll see 20 different projects that are like, it'll be a trailer, a video game, a movie, a TV show, like a new app, whatever. It's just, uh, it's just a lot more interesting for me. That's interesting because that's why I got into management as opposed to being like an artist. Yeah. I was like, I'm focused on my own stuff for way too long. And it's like not as exciting as when I get to work with like other artists. Totally. So it's like sort of similar thing. Yeah. And and also what's great is that licensing is forever. Um, when you When you have a relationship with an artist and a team and you really love the music, and that's really important to me, um, you pitch it for as much as you can for the rest of your life, like whenever it works. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't like about working at a record label, because I worked at Downtown Records before and Warner Brothers Records before that, um, was that you kind of are really focused on the cycle, like an album cycle. Mm. Like you work towards a release and then the touring and and then you kind of forget about it until the artist does something else. And um, licensing is literally forever. You know, like you're the person who can bring a song back into everyone's like forefront, like without having, I don't know, it just like sets the tone. It's a different, it's a different kind of a vibe. Yeah, for sure. The on-cycle, off-cycle thing is like, Blows my mind because yeah, it's like I hate it. if you're only focusing <laughs> on marketing and creating so momentum stupid. around the artist when they're getting ready to release something, it's like the success of that release and their on cycle period really is pivotal. I mean, it's built on the foundation of what they've done off cycle. Totally, right. and, and momentum it, can drop like easy. You know, mm-hmm. like as soon as you're off cycle and there's another artist on cycle, they could like take your spotlight. You oh, know, for what I'm sure, for sure. Oh my god! And like, don't even get me started on radio singles. Because that shit. Let's get you started. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I'm gonna get real You're on the podcast. <laughs> now I'm gonna start cursing. Hey. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> uh, But not really. I so yeah. For me, but one of my favorite things to do is is to prove labels wrong about which songs have. Uh, I'm, blo- I'm blowing it. No, we, no, we drinking alcohol. Yeah, Sam is a lightweight. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just when, when someone, when a label comes to me and they're like, this is the single, this is the song. And I'm like, well, there's a full body of work and there are so many good songs and we're going to pitch whatever works for the projects that we're getting. And when you get a different song, that's not the single, like in a big moment, like let's say it's a big car ad, then you basically force people to have no other choice but to like focus on this other song. And it's interesting because for me, like the music industry is so fixated on like singles and, you know, deciding what people should want to listen to. And, and I've always been a big fan of like, we should, I don't know, just dropping an entire album, seeing what people like, and then doing an entire marketing campaign around that. Cause I, I hate the idea of like the forced, Single. I don't know. Right. There's something about it that just makes me cringe, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Maybe no. I'm just going on and on about nothing. No, it, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. When you talk about like syncs and their ability to impact a song, whether it's like an older song, like I do know this one artist that works at like an independent label I work with. Her name is Anna of the North. She got a sync deal. Her song was synced in one of the most climactic moments of this like Netflix hit movie. Mm-hmm. And it actually translated to like a massive spike on the success of her streams. And she just started like, they saw this like massive spike. Like, why is this song streaming so well? And then mm-hmm. once they dug into it, they saw that it really just came out like right after this sync hit mm-hmm. on Netflix. Can you talk a little bit about the impact you've seen? Obviously it's great to get a nice check on a sync deal itself, but 
What can you talk about like the correlation or impact a sync can actually have on the success of a song and an artist's career? Oh my God. It's like, it's, that's a big part of why I love what I do is that it's not just about, you know, the check. It's about if, especially if a sync makes sense, if a song is placed really well, people will engage with it. And if it's shown all over the world, then you just see like massive, you know, just increase in everything. And it's, it's the only thing aside from radio that like you, you just kind of see a, a really big jump really quickly. And I like, um, at my last job, I was, I was, uh, talking about a brief that I got one day and the office receptionist overheard me and was like, can I send you my songs? And I started working with him and he got really, really good. And I wanted, I wanted the label to sign him, but, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to, but I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get a song and something. And so I got a song that he, he recorded in one of the biggest Apple ads of the year. And after that, it was over. I mean, he got like offers from everyone and he was able to obviously not be the office receptionist. Um, <laughs> That's a crazy story. But it's and, and it was and it was great. Like it's it's a song still that he he texts me all the time. He's like, hey, um, I'm going to go to South America. I think that's where it was to to sing the song at someone's wedding. And like it's, it's crazy to me that this song has had such a crazy impact on, on people's lives. And, uh, and, and you just, it's really cool. It's, it's amazing. And you see people, I mean, anytime you get a big sync, especially for an independent artist, you're like, all right, all the publishing deals are going to start coming in. Mm -hmm. Like that's, we kind of set the tone for mm -hmm. a lot of that, I think. So what do you think is the difference between your ear and like somebody at a labels or like somebody at a management companies? Like, how do you think you defer? Um, that's a good question. I don't really know how to answer it because if, I've always just been like, if I feel anything, then that's cool. You know, like right. that's kind of what I go with. But I, I also think that we, if you do licensing, you think about lyrics, whether that's good or bad, um, a lot more than label people do. Mm. So if I hear a song and the chorus is about, you know, just eating bananas on the back of a, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I, I just, if it's really random, I'm like, what can I do with this? This is really hard. We're mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like labels are more like, oh, this is a really catchy melody. I'm like, yeah, we got this. We're going to take it to radio. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a little bit different in that way. But um, yeah. I don't so know. you read the lyrics. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's important with licensing, especially. I mean, People sing songs and things all the time that make zero sense, you know, for right. the scene and lyrically. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think if you're pitching, you're you're kind of always thinking about what is this song about? Right, right, right. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm curious, how much of the matchmaking process is like song-led versus brief-led? I know you kind of mentioned that, but it's like how much is it like, okay, this is an awesome record. I want to find a home for this versus like, okay, this guy that's the music supervisor for this show is looking for this type of song? Um, I think it's kind of 50-50. It's, mm -hmm. it's both. It's proactive and reactive. And it's, it's, we get so many briefs a day. That sometimes they're looking for something very specific. Sometimes they're like, hey, Jen, what's cool? Like, what's cool and new that yeah, we don't yeah. have? Tell us what's cool. 
And I'm like, I mean, I don't fucking know, but this is what I like. It's where Here Jordan comes in now. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, sorry, y'all. But I just, yeah, it, it just, it just depends. And sometimes I really like something that's super weird and I know it's going to freak people out. And I'm like, oh man, it's my job to, to convert them and make them want to like do something different in, in their project and like, that's the influence that licensing can have on culture, honestly, mm-hmm. is when you convince someone that they should really do, like, take a chance and do something different with the song that they don't know anything about. But, like, that's really cool and different. Yeah, 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 and sure. it makes you feel something that you've never felt before. And Totally. Yeah. Totally. And how much does, the, like, the clout of an artist come into play? Because what if it's, like, the perfect song that matches the vibe perfectly but it's like some no-name artist versus like, okay, we may be able to future or whatever. This major artist, the song might not fit as well. I mean, when a music supervisor is like thinking about this, how mm-hmm. much of it is like the momentum and cloud of the artist? They're always thinking about that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it's why I called my company Low Profile to tackle that conversation because mm-hmm. I hate that conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it is so cool to put something that no one's heard of versus something that's already on the radio that everyone's tired of. Mm-hmm. So I I love do, like just challenging that idea that, oh, how many followers, how many streams? Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. You should be responsible for sure. For like it's zero now. Totally. So how do we get it? Like you could you could be responsible for helping to break a band mm-hmm. or an artist. And that to me is really what's interesting. Um and when brands do that, it's really cool. And people yeah. people really respond well to it, I think. Yeah, no, that's super awesome. When it comes to like independent artists and young emerging artists where they might not necessarily be generating a lot of revenue, um, does it make sense for them to prioritize it more? And how much can they actually control? Like how much of it is having to work with like a licensing agency or a mm-hmm. licensing company versus like maybe you just have a super young scrappy manager that's like, going out there, having all the beers with all the music supervisors. Like, is that something they can focus on on their own or do they really need to like partner up with somebody? I mean, I don't know what anyone should ever be doing with their Mm -hmm. lives, but I think scrappy managers are great. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, you do need someone. I mean, like, like there's no way for me to even, I've been doing this for 10 years and there's no way I could possibly know everyone who's doing everything and, Mm And I, every day I feel like I'm not spending enough time doing research on new companies that are opening up that are like creating really cool content that we should be in touch with or new, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Like I, I just, I feel a licensing company helps a lot, obviously, because totally. that's their one job that they're yeah. doing where a manager is doing 1 million other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, there are so many different paths that one could take yeah, to get yeah, to the, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, what is and and you can say yes or no if you don't want to answer this, but what's like the weirdest sync you've ever gotten? Oh man, I like- love this question. <laughs> <sighs> the weirdest. Okay. In terms of what? In terms of, you know, however you interpret it. Whether the TV show was weird, whether the song was weird and you got it synced, or whether it was like you were like, fuck it, let me pitch this and see if it works, and then it actually did, and then it became like, whoa. Right. Like however you however you interpret it. Yeah, okay. Um recently or my whole life? 
uh, whichever is the weirdest. <laughs> if, if you're yeah, you the weirdest weird. one, the don't weirdest. Don't to get weird. Yeah, if the weirdest one was recently, then it could be recently. But if it was eight, ten years ago, it could be eight, ten years ago. Um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, it was kind of weird to get an Ultra Devoe song about his grandmother dying in a Victoria's Secret ad. Like that was a little <laughs> bit weird. Or like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a really good sync that didn't happen that I still love was. Uh, I, when I was working at downtown, uh, oh my God, I'm I mean, oh, I'm still on the non track about oh, okay. his grandma dying <laughs> in a Victoria's Secret Are you, are you upset? Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, there have been so many weird situations. Flaming Lips, uh, did a Super Bowl ad where they, they directed like the whole commercial and, they were like, we're going to blow up the cars. And it was, it was cool. Like, it was like, that's, that's chill. I don't know. Um, it's always fun to me when you get a song that is really inappropriate and like <laughs> a, a really big branded something. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just still kind of like a little trickster in that way where I'm like, ha like that's cool. And, right. and I feel like people are like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. That's crazy. Um I don't know. I, feel, I need to think about that one a little bit more. Y'all, they have these questions that they've printed out and they refuse to let me look at them beforehand. You know what? If I'm being completely honest, we've already gone through a lot of them and it's, it's almost time for me to flip this paper over. Oh my goodness. Yep. Okay. And, I, and when I, we did it totally by accident. I just looked at it. Highly and I was like, confidential Wait. questions. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. but had I, if I had a minute to look at them. Nah, because then you have a minute to think yeah, about them. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. So when you hear new music from artists, like why do you decide to take it on? Are you are you thinking about the lyrics at that point, that early on? If, or it, is it, if it freaks me out, yes. If it freaks you out, if it makes me feel weird, I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's weird. If it if I just like love it, whatever that means. If it makes me feel anything, I'm generally excited by it. Um, the things we say no to tend to be. Things that songs just, about bananas, singing bana- bananas. Yeah, don't, in the don't fucking sing about bananas, y'all. Um, <laughs> no, it's just like if it feels like really already done a million times or mm. like very current, like I just am not excited by it. We have to feel like inspired and um I don't know, in whatever way. It could be any kind of emotion, but Especially if I'm like, ooh, like that is is always something where I'm like, interesting. I should I should really listen to that again and make sure that because uh, if it freaks me out, it's gonna freak someone else out, and and that's cool. So do you try to freak out music supervisors sometimes? Oh, I always freak them out. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's good to like to to sh- put really interesting and weird music from all over the world that people are not expecting and things like that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to show all the different sides of music instead of just this one pop or whatever lane. Yeah, and I feel like the, I mean, music supervisors are looking to create an emotion. So if it makes you feel like weird or like, oh, what's this? Then I mean, that's a good signal that this is like a song that's likely to trigger an emotion amongst right. other like viewers and listeners. Totally. I thought, um, that's not my goal, just for the record. Right. My goal in life <laughs> is not to freak people out. But. Right. Um, I thought the ad that you, I mean, the sync that you did for me for JPEG Mafia and Grownish was was really interesting because I okay. think when people think of that TV show, I don't think they think of an artist like JPEG. So I, I remember even hearing JPEG think about 
the sink and he was like, yo, like this doesn't seem real. And I think it gave him that feeling of freak out that you're talking about. But it was like exciting, you know. And I looked on Twitter. I looked up JPEG Mafia Gronish and like people had the same reaction. They were like, whoa, that is that JPEG? Totally, <laughs> Gronish? Totally. And it was a really cool moment. So I, I get I get what you're saying when you say you want to freak people out. Yeah, it's something unexpected, I think, yeah. is always good for all of us. And whatever, and whatever way we can like facilitate that is, um, or like at least start a conversation. To me, that's really cool. Do music supervisors like does a bad image ever like throw off a deal completely? Like a, a bad image for the artist? Yeah, say the artist's like last five Instagram posts are like oh, blunts yeah. and hoes left and right. Yeah, if it's if it's a brand, yeah, mm-hmm. that Damn. for sure can have an effect. Um, but that means kind of it's not the right brand. Yeah, it's not yeah. the right pairing if if that's going to freak someone out. Mm-hmm. I, I never ever want an artist to like like just only post about things that they think a brand would approve of. I'm like, you need to be yourself, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, yeah. and, and, and sometimes what happens too with artists is they like, they make a, an, an amazing album. They get kind of, you know, familiar with the sync world. And then they start writing songs that sound like, like something that would get right. synced. They right, try right. to start writing songs like yeah. that. Yeah. Cause they're like, oh, we, we made a little bit of money here. Like that was cool. Like let's, let's recreate that. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah for um, sure. unless you're actually writing for a, a specific brief, um, it kind of kills me when, when you see artists do that because then you're, you're missing the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Right. I don't right. know. So people should just be authentic. Just be yourself. So how do, how do artists get noticed like a licensor like you? Like if they're if they're musicians listening right now, like mm-hmm. damn, how do I get Jen to find my damn. music and listen to yeah. my music? And they don't know me or Sam, obviously. Well, we actually love receiving submissions. We get a lot of them. Um, yo at lowprofilenyc.com. There it is. And we try to go through them every week and we listen and we get we try to get back to as many people as we can, even if it's a, a no. Or suggest another company that we think would be a good fit. Because for me, like this company, I, st- I started this company because I really I saw what was happening in the industry. I wanted to be super artist friendly. I was really frustrated with like a lot of the terms and contracts and things that people were doing and like how they treated um, people who w- didn't already have an in. And so again, why I called the company low profile, but it's like all of our deals say that, you know, anyone can terminate at any time. There's, there's literally, it's really chill. And, and to me, it's important. And it's really important to like, listen to music that comes from somewhere. I have no idea where it's coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. So we got like a submission today from New Zealand and we're going to work with, start working with them. Wow. That's sick. And, uh, yeah, Nafisa was listening. was like, this is really good. We got We got to yeah. do this. And, uh, yeah. So we, we kind of, we love it. And, Hopefully we can, you know, stay good at getting back to people. Right. So what is what is the goal with a music licensing company like yours? Like, what are you building towards, do you think? Um, honestly, just the goal of, of Low Profile, at least, is to really help artists build sustainable careers doing what they love and, and to support them and, and help make whatever vision they have come to life. So, like... I'm not here really to tell an artist what to do. I'm here to like support what's already being 
you know, created and built and to help them just to, to not have to ever be like, oh shit, do I have to get a real job now? Like, mm-hmm. do I have to, cause for me, like, um, it's just really, it's really cool to see an artist be able to put everything into music and, and to feel comfortable in that and, and to keep moving forward. And also just to, to get like different music from different types of people out in front of as many people as possible. So yeah, that's I awesome. just, I kind of bored myself just now. No, felt, you didn't, like, you didn't bore me. Yeah. No, for sure not. <laughs> I think it's, it's an amazing mission. It reminds me of like Spotify's mission to like help 1 million artists create a full-time living uh, and connect them to 1 billion fans. And I think like the revenue stream of licensing is like an afterthought for most artists when in reality, I mean, it's a very like significant revenue stream when done well. So, I mean, I think it definitely can like enable them to do their art, to do what they love, which is a powerful thing. But yeah. I feel like a lot of times, I mean, people, I mean, how do you get started as an artist? I mean, like you send it around to different licensors, you try, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it seems like obviously it's all a relationship game, but what advice would you have for like younger artists that may have some shows and some traction here and there, but are very curious and, and want to figure out a way how to tap into this like revenue stream? I mean, just doing some research. I feel like if you, if you're like, okay, licensing, like, what are the licensing companies? If you know anyone, I mean, what I hate about the industry as it is now is there's, it's such a hard entry. Like, there's no entry point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I like, I despise that. Like, and that's why we do whatever we can to get back to as many people as possible that mm-hmm. we don't have never heard of. But, um, I think it's just doing research and like asking uh, if you're playing shows already, then mm-hmm. you're knowing, you know, someone. And you can, you can find a way to like figure out, okay, what companies like seem like they align with my vibe. Mm-hmm. Totally. Just totally. To for sure. It was the same vibe. Jordan, so, with like EQT being on like the artist side, do you, um, like how significant is it to an art? Is like what percentage of revenue for some artists can this become? I mean, it's still typically it like a minority, but how for, big the artist is. Yeah. I think. For the sinks that I've seen that you've secured, for artists that don't tour as much, sync revenue can be really big for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for touring artists, that ends up naturally being the biggest revenue stream. But I do think I do think the revenue that comes in from sinks is like greatly underestimated. Like Jen will tell you, I send songs to her as soon as as soon as they get to me, they get to Jen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like I send them over, right? Yeah. And then and then when I don't, I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, damn, I forgot. <laughs> like shit. Yeah. So. Um, I think it's really important. And I think, I think especially now with the media boom, with Netflix, Hulu, with so many different types of ways that artists can be heard in so many different places where you can hear music. I think it's yeah. even more important now than ever to make sure that your music is in the hands of somebody mm-hmm. that, that has access to those places. Yeah. Not to mention like the back end that you get off of, you know, just royalties and all that kind of stuff if yeah. your song is placed in something what yeah for like what are the awesome, most important deal points to keep in mind here as an artist that to like really get oh, the most out of this because okay. you already mentioned like being able to turn it, down so a like, deal okay, at artists. any point if you're an artist looking to have someone represent you for sync for the love of god know who the writers are on every song <laughs> and have that information available when you go to anyone like Know if any of the writers have a publisher. Oh, okay, let's back it up. Know what publishing means. Um, I think a lot of artists that I encounter, I spend, I would say, almost 25% of my time educating artists and even managers. Not you. 
Um, nice, nice. I needed uh, that. About, oh, yeah, <laughs> master and publishing, mm-hmm. the two sides of a song. There yeah. are publishers. Did your artist sign this contract? You don't know? Do you, Is there a lawyer? Mm-hmm. And I think just kind of understanding, okay, if you go into the studio, you're writing with someone, hammering that out and having that information just like totally, okay, this is what you contributed, this is what I contributed, these are the splits. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, especially like I know – Everyone who works in licensing is always like, oh God. Yeah. Here we go. If an sure. if an artist hasn't figured that out yet, um, and and it gets even more complicated, especially if something comes in mm-hmm. if that hasn't been figured out, because mm-hmm. then everyone wants a totally. higher percentage. Uh so yeah, I would say like just figuring that stuff out is really, really important and just making sure that you know um where the rights lie to mm-hmm. everything. For sure. Can you I mean, just for people that might not be as familiar, like do the the quick like publishing versus masters, yes. and then also after you define that, like what comes into play with the licensing company, like when you're licensing a sync, like are they actually getting access and like leasing the masters, or even I'm like ignorant here. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So okay, a song, fifty percent master, fifty mm, percent right. publishing. Masters the recording, the mm, label, right? The artist if they own the recording, whatever. Um, the publishing is is the composition. So like who wrote the song, like who wrote the melody, the, who contributed guitar, whatever that's on the publishing side. Mm -hmm. So when a scene comes in, they ask for a quote and they'll ask for, Hey, how much do you think this will, this will be? Mm -hmm. And if we don't know what the publishing situation is like, so we either rep an artist on both sides like we'll rep the recording and the publishing, mm-hmm. or sometimes we just rep the master side. So we just have a deal in place with the label. Um, it just depends on like, sometimes like with the band wet, we just rep them on the publishing side and they're with uh, Columbia. There was some major, I'm not, I can't remember right now. Um, but they, you know, it just depends on, on, on what's available for us to represent. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, and and if if we're not able to provide all of the information right away to a music supervisor, mm-hmm. even if we don't represent it, it's like they're like, who are the writers? How much is this going to be? Like, who are the publishers? What kind of situation is this? And if we can't immediately be like, oh, this is easy, no big deal, I'm going to loop you in with this person, mm-hmm. and we'll get it done. They're like, gotta go, moving mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah. So does that is that answer yeah your for question? sure? And then they just pay for the rights to use the song. Well, well, both sides of the song. So, like, if you can't both get, side, right. I'll give you an example. Like, at at my last job, I worked with an artist who gave away one percent of their publishing to a manager that they a fired, manager that they fired because they felt bad. And I was like, oh my god, don't ever fucking do that! Like, don't do that! Holy shit! And so, all of these sync requests would come in, and we couldn't get in touch with this guy. He was literally MIA. So, because of his one percent share, nothing they lost out went wow. final because you, you have to have 100 unless you have an agreement in place saying we have full approval rights and like mm. but most people don't have that yeah. so uh what ends up happening if you can't get everyone who owns a share in the song or administers then you're you're screwed and nothing happens and yeah. it's a nightmare yeah yeah, yeah. You and want, then people uh, are like people are like wait how come that didn't happen and you're like mm-hmm. you didn't give me the assets you you want to? Uh, I'm like an ass. Oh God, I love assets. <laughs> you want to speak a little bit on samples? Oh fuck, yes. <laughs> don't just don't 
samples are the worst. Samples hurt us all because (laughs) (laughs) especially if, if you're not able to speak to what sample it is. Like, I hate that when an artist has an amazing song and they're like, I don't, I can't remember what sample this is. I'm like, we don't even know. How do we figure this out? Um, and they've like kind of fucked with it so much that you really can't figure out what sample it is. So you're like, Oh man, someone's, this is going to be bad. I, um, hilariously one time pitched to Netflix. They hit me up and they're like, Hey, Oh my God, last minute request. We have this, this trailer starting and we didn't realize there was an uncleared sample in, uh, in the song. And I was like, they were like, we need a replacement ASAP. So Mm. can you send us something that's like similar, but like doesn't have an uncleared sample. Mm -hmm. And I sent them a song that had an uncleared sample that I didn't know about. (laughs) And I ended up, and it was like the the most mortifying like moment of my career because and like I love the guy this Andy at Netflix he's amazing I was like dude I don't even know what to say but I just pitched you because he was like okay we're ready we're ready to roll we want to use the song and I was like let me just check with the artist and make sure like everything's cool and then the artist is like yeah I don't think I told you but there's a sample in that song I was like Gah! but I ended up <laughs> like calling in favors. At the majors being like, can you please push this through tonight? Damn. <laughs> and uh, that's the last time I'll ever be able to hit them up about that. But, Damn. you know, they made it happen. So it, it all worked out. But yeah, samples are everyone who does licensing is just like, it's the biggest nightmare. So, yeah. Um, what do you think are some mistakes that you made earlier in your career? Oh, so many. I still make them all the time. Yeah. But like, what were the ones in the beginning that now you can look back and be like, oh, damn, why did I used to do this? Pretending like I knew something that I had no clue oh. what I was, you know, I yeah. think that's like the silliest. Uh, but I think that's like a music industry thing. Well, I, I think, think when people I think come like in like really thing. young. Yeah. You kind of like pretend, you know, it's like fake it till you make it. But no, it's like, no, actually just say you don't know what you're doing and yeah, then someone will questions. show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I used to just try to quote on things without any context. <laughs> And uh, just found myself in some very interesting situations. But now to me, like, I love when, you know, when I'm hiring and and when my team, when they're like, I don't understand this at all. I'm like, God bless you. Because, like, it's it's cool. Like, I don't, there's so many things that I don't know either still. Um, everything changes really quickly. And, yeah, I think it's just admitting that what you don't know is really important. Um especially when you're getting into like legal territory and like, cause we do all the paperwork for all of the license. Like that's a whole other part of what we do aside from like pitching and creative and negotiating. We do like the legal contracts for everything. Um, and so it's really important there to really not fake it till you make it. Cause <laughs> that's just important. Um, but yeah. So I think that was probably like the bigger mistakes that, that I, I made in the beginning, Word. just making shit up. Don't worry. You wanna you wanna do these hot takes? Go for it. All right. So we have a section. Oh boy. And the section is called hot takes. We're pretty much we try to say some controversial things to you and see how you respond. In a in a nutshell. Bring it on, motherfuckers. So the first one is music supervisors are more creative than licensors. Sometimes. 
Is this what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, and then you explain, yeah. Okay. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there are plenty of music supervisors who are so talented where I'm, like, fascinated by the work that they do. I'm like, oh, my God, you placed that song, beautiful moment, I'm crying, or I'm laughing, you're brilliant, holy crap. And then there are some where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing your job for you. You're literally coming to me, asking me what song you should use in this scene, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you what song you should use, and then... You know, but the, for that, the most part. In that part, situation, do you tell them one of the songs that you rap? <laughs> ask you that? Um, yes. <laughs> that, that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, use the song. Or sometimes there have been a couple of times stupidly or whatever that I've been like, hey, I don't even rap a song, but this is what you need. Oh, really? It's just like, it's just perfect and I'm it hurts it me. Game. It just hurts Charge me. It to the game. Hurts me to see <laughs> you not know the song. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and it's fine because. It's, it's all about like you know wanting to see the the coolest thing happen really um yeah i would say sometimes is that your hot take is that what it's no, called it's three. Oh, okay there's there's one three. shot one music supervisor though that i do have a lot of respect for scott venner mm-hmm. i feel like growing up i used to watch entourage and then now i watch like ballers yeah never fails to disappoint I feel yeah. like the, the no, mood, like there, there the vibe. Are, there's yeah, so yeah. many solid ones that just yeah. like, yeah, just totally. He's for great. For sure, for sure. Um, cool. Next hot take. Artists shouldn't focus on sinks as a big revenue stream. Yeah, because you can't control it. Mm. I mean, it's important to have a, you know, a sync team that at least that you could communicate with and mm-hmm. you know what's up, even if it's not working. Like, hey, nothing's happening. Why not? Like, let's talk about it. But it's like a miracle from the heavens when anything ever goes final because (laughs) like we pitch it to someone who then pitches it to their boss, right? who then pitches it to the, their company, who then pitches it to the client, which is outside of that. Mm. And like 1 million people, 1 million people have to approve something. And I just remembered what I was going to say when you asked me about it. Um, the weirdest sink and that, and I was going to answer with like a non sink that I got, but they, uh, Dan Ward, you know, yeah, you know yeah, okay. sure. they, uh, I'll never forget. It was like, I, I, I pitched and again, my brain mush brains over here. This, it was like a song that I pitched to a target ad and it, and it was going to happen there. And I was like, this is crazy. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I can't believe target is going to use this song. This is nuts. And I got this call the night before and I was like really feeling myself. I was like, this is the highlight of my career because this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I got a call the night before it was supposed to go live and I was like, bad news and good news. Bad news is it's definitely not happening. Good news is um, just imagine a bunch of executives at Target sitting around a, a conference <laughs> room table and watching the music video for the song together mm-hmm. in its entirety. And I think it like started with like, sh- like she was like, she was like peeing on someone and like, like and the whole <laughs> thing was just like, it was amazing. And I was like, that is so funny. And to is me. that why they threw it out? They were like, oh no. This and video. then they, they realized what the <laughs> lyrics were about and they were like, holy shit, we, this is not going to be on a target ad. But I love that I even made it that far. It like tickled me. I was like, this is, this is cool. I like, I like the idea of imagining all of these people in suits sitting at work and it's kind of like that. how earlier today I was like, I wonder what certain song sessions are like 
like the songs that we all find is like parodies and are funny. Like, y'all ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. I was talking Wait, about that singing, song specifically. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and it's always great thinking about that, whether this song was made or whether, you know, whether it's a sync, just like, how did it come together? How did this, how did this weird thing come together to become a thing? Yeah. That's generally a funny thing to think about. All right, we got one more. Can I ask you all questions after? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Major sinks are only for major artists. Fuck no. There you go. We got one that pissed her off. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? That's bullshit. Um, again, why my company exists. Uh, yeah, major sinks happen for major artists and major sinks happen for smaller artists. And that's what launches their career. And that's what's amazing about what I do. Happens all the time. Like you see a band that no one ever heard of in a big ad or something, and then and then they're it's over. They're huge. So this is fucking bullshit, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there is an argument to if you don't really know the music licensing world that if a song is more popular, it's it's more likely to be in more syncs just from pure popularity. You know? Well, you know that that is an argument that. I I kind of understand. However, if it's more popular for music supervisors, usually it's more of a headache to clear. So that's what people are always thinking about. Clearance. Right. Like, how do we clear this? How fast can we clear this? How many people are involved? Is it going to be affordable? A lot of big songs are not affordable, mm. to be honest. Like, we get asked to replace, like, the Beatles. Like, a, a bunch of, like, huge artists all of the time because there's just not a budget for that. So, um, that's why I hear all these ads on TV with covers, right? Because they don't want to have to clear the master, too. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly why. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So I'm wrong, kind of tipsy. Me too. Sweet. How you feeling? Sam? Right, I'm ready for the, the questions now. Okay, great. <laughs> um, tell me about what you've learned since starting this podcast. Um, Learned a lot about licensing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I think it's been really amazing just to see all the like the different paths. I think a lot of people like know that they want to work in music or naturally like drawn to music, but I think we've been able to like really like slice and dice a lot of really interesting like ways into the industry, which I think is just super valuable. I mean, if somebody's passionate about something, they want to follow their passion, like they can, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So I think that's been really interesting for me to see about you, Jordan. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I I would agree. Um, I think just speaking to the guests in general and and hearing their stories is like mm-hmm. my favorite part. So not necessarily, not necessarily, you know, sorry listeners, what we can give to the listeners, but but I'm also just like a naturally <sighs> curious person. So yeah. I think hearing stories from start to finish, I love that. Also, there's a there's a second part to this is that I get to spend time with people that I look up to. So I really like that part of it too. Um, totally. And those are like the two big takeaways for me. And I'm just glad people get to listen and, and hear me experience that as well and then hope that they find the same joy that I do. That's cool. Have y'all, yeah. do y'all ask people uh, what their salaries are? No. Not on the podcast. want to share? <laughs> Why not? Not on the podcast. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think, you know. Real hot take. Uh-huh. I'm I, coming in real hot. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, um, I think that's personal to some people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you yeah, want to share though, I mean, people. we won't. 
I mean, we won't edge. Yeah. We won't edge <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, uh, um, I just think it's an interesting yeah. topic that people sure. are like, oh, how much does someone make? I mean, I'm, totally. I have no problem talking about what I've made. Um, but I think I was just talking to my roommate about that the other day. I was like, the only people that, and you, you're obviously, this might be another hot take. What you say? The only people that say, the people that say their salary the most are the ones that are like mid range to me. The ones that are like really rich, are like I'm not saying it. Yeah, but the ones yeah. that are like really low are like nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the people bro. that are hovering around, like you also know, in the men middle. have a problem saying it. I find. Yeah. Because I, I, anytime I I speak on a panel, I usually try to start with that question. I'm like, how much does everyone in here make? And men are like, um, it's bullshit. I'm leaving. You know? They leave. No, I'm making that up. That's, that's, that's yeah. But like, you know, what is this panel? <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes them really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think because they probably hear a bunch of women before them saying whatever they make, and they're like, "Oh God, yeah. it's, it's higher, and that's going to be a problem." Mm, but yeah. I don't know. That's a cool thing. I mean, you've mentioned on your website that you're like a women-only company. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. How's that? I mean, you made a conscious decision when creating the company that you wanted to proactively make that happen. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if it's like the right thing. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not trying to be. Uh, the only thing I know is I have control over the tone I set in the industry. And, mm. and for me, um, there's still not a good balance of, mm. of, of many women in the industry, as far as I can tell, especially like in higher up roles. And so like for me, how do I fix that? Mm -hmm. How do, how I fix that is to, to give women more opportunities to, to make sure that like that balance happens eventually. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it doesn't mean that I'm like, no men allowed. Right, right, um, right, right. It just means that <laughs> I I really want to empower women to like to be able to like, you know, have a have a seat at the table. For and sure. and it's really important. Totally. No, that's amazing. Is that partially why you left the other companies that you were working at? Did you sense that imbalance when you were at those companies? Um in one way or another, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it just I mean, I'm not going to lie, especially Warner Brothers. I, I didn't. Yeah, it, there was an imbalance there. Mm -hmm. And and with downtown, you know, it was it was there were a lot of women there. But, you know, the people on top were men. And and I just wanted to like I wanted to change that. Like I wanted mm -hmm. to change the people. Uh, yeah, I wanted to to give people a chance to. To grow up, like I, with all my, my, I mean, Nafisa and Carol Ann who work with me now, I'm like, oh my God, I hope you never leave me because I will die. But if you do, we're going to get you a badass job and you're going to take over the world. Um, nice. And we're going to negotiate your salary. And I, that's, that's just like kind of my vibe. I'm like, I really, I really, uh, I had help from a, a very good guy friend in negotiating my salary, like every job switch that I made. And I'm like, God, why aren't there more women who are like, I, I didn't really have a woman who was like, Oh, here's how you negotiate. Yeah. And that's cause it just, yeah. So blah, blah, blah. No, no, it's exciting. And I appreciate the work you're doing in that regard. Can you talk about negotiation tactics? Oh, especially with sync. I like mean, what yeah. is that like that negotiation yeah. generally? But also with sync, because I have with no sync. idea what that's like. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, <laughs> I think it's about knowing who you're talking to a lot. Um, if I know the person who's hitting me up about using a song, it's much easier to negotiate than someone I've never talked to before, because I don't mm -hmm. know like where they're at or like 
you know, there, there's so many, uh, different factors that, that, you know, you have to think about, but if anyone ever comes to you and it's very obvious that they really want to use the song, that is when you have the power and that's when you can uh. negotiate in a, in a fun, like in my mind way, uh, because they want to use a song, especially if it's already in the edit. Like that's my favorite moment. I'm like, <laughs> you've already edited the song in. You're fucked. And you didn't even, you can see it. Yes, this is great. Cause it's a lot of work to then find another song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just knowing where they're at. Like I always pick up the phone and call people. I'm always like, okay, what, what is your budget? Cause they, they want you to throw out a number first and, and it could I, be lower, right? Than their budget. Uh, or you can be higher if they really want the song. But I'll make it happen. You, like all of a sudden, you'll see money appear out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh, I thought you didn't have that." Oh, interesting. Oh, word. But if they if they've already sold a client on something, and uh, the client has seen it, and they're like, "We love this. This is a perfect song," and then you're like, "Yeah, your budget is going to need to be higher." They go back to, the, and they're like, "We have to find a new song. It's much higher than the budget." And the client's like, "Oh, oh we'll just increase the budget." <laughs> has the artist ever told you, or the manager ever told you, like, "No, that's not enough." Yeah, plenty like we of times. can't, and then be like, if it's not hard in this, oh yeah, no go. and I respect that fully. And yeah. and usually, what we try to negotiate something as much as we can before we take it to an artist for approval. And then at that point, it's like, look, I don't think we can get it anymore. This is what it is. We can say yes or no. Fine, either way. And and you know, a lot of the time, a manager is like, hey, just just tell them it needs to be this. I'm like, great. That makes my job really easy because mm-hmm. then I go back and I'm like, it needs to be this. And they either say yes or they say no and they move on. So it's just about like, do you actually want the opportunity to happen? Like, does like a couple thousand dollars like really matter if you want it to happen? Mm-hmm. And I think the problem that people, some people have, especially like young managers, is that they will try to fight for that like small, very small amounts of money that end up getting in the way of something happening. And right. You're like, this makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares if it's $5,000 or $6,000, if it's going to be, if it's the perfect sink. And this is literally all they have. And it's, it's like, that is their budget. And you see it happen a lot where just they move on. They find another another song that works. It kind of goes back to my Meet Your Host episode where I was saying young managers micromanage a lot. And that reminds me of that when they're like, no, nah, we want $250 more. <laughs> Uh, or no deal yeah yeah yeah. amazing well thank you so much for coming on to the music business podcast today it's been a pleasure having you for having me of course thanks for coming cool damn well that was crazy no i really i really actually did enjoy that episode me too i thought it was uh we shed a lot of light. I, I really like to, I mean, just the primer, I mean, going deep into the dynamics of licensing deals, deal points, how to negotiate. Um, I think it was just really, I learned a lot in this episode. And I think this is just like a really valuable part of the music industry that doesn't tend to get a lot of light. So to be able to really just kind of dive deep into it was really valuable. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I work with Jen too. She's, she's synced some of my artist songs and I know all I know is I send her music and then she sends back syncs when they're approved. So yeah. I didn't even know what the process was from when I that's why I asked what I sent when I send her music to when it gets in a TV show. Yeah. I'm super glad we were able to talk to her about that. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And bring people into that process a little more. I just get really excited when she sends me yeah. syncs when they're approved. But for sure. I didn't know the process, you know. I wonder if we could get the plug rate on some syncs for the music right, business for the podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you a listening, fire Jen? outro. <laughs> yeah, Jen. <laughs> we need some dope intro outro music. <laughs> This beat's getting old. <laughs> I, I like the beat. What do you think about the beat on the podcast, though? 
Um, I like the beat on the podcast. If there's any producers that are listening to the podcast, please like send beats. <laughs> we'll, we'll use it and we'll shout y'all out. Seriously. Yeah. You know where to find us on Instagram at Sam Heisel at Jordan Shaw. Uh, and we really appreciate a lot of the support the show's been getting so far. So please never hesitate to reach out to us with ideas, with feedback. It goes a really long way. Um, and especially too, I mean, when it comes to helping the show grow, like if there's anybody that you think would find any value in this episode or any of the past episodes, um, we're really enjoying the conversations we're having and just want to make sure that everybody that can and, and wants to learn about this sort of stuff knows about the podcast. So your shares go a really long way. We really appreciate you. So on that note, thank you guys. We'll see you next week.